I shared a message on Daniel. My question is, this morning, success, there we go, how many were listening? Because there was a blooper in the message. Did anybody catch it? Do you know when I caught the blooper? I was driving home from church. And the message was like on playback in my mind. And I said, how could I have said such a thing? It's not even biblical. And I'm thinking, oh boy, Lord, I'm going to have to apologize next Sunday. Because I know somebody's going to call me out on it and remind me of my blooper. You ever have a blooper happen in your life and you're like, you wanted to play it back and wish it never happened? Oh, yes. <laughs> I see many nodding heads this morning. When I talked about Daniel's crisis, remember I said he was, he was going from one crisis to another? It just seemed like things kept happening. You know, he was... He was taken from his homeland, captured into captivity, taken into Babylon. And then he, as he was in Babylon, he had to, he was picked to be a part of the king's advisory board, you know. And so he had to eat the king's meat and drink the king's wine. And he didn't want to do that. So in order to get by, he, he talked to the prince of the eunuchs, you know, and got favor with him so that they didn't have to eat that stuff. Well, then I moved on. I said, well, you know, then he had to go to the lion's den. But before the lion's den, I said something else. How many remember me saying, then there was the fiery furnace? Daniel didn't go to the fiery furnace. <laughs> so nobody called me out on it last week. But God called me out on it on the way home. <laughs> I said, Lord, why you want to call me out on this? Church is over now. Yeah, oh, confession's good for the soul, they say. So as I began to ponder that thought as I was driving home, I began to think about, and I was, I was done with Daniel. I was done with the book of Daniel. I was moving on. I'd already had something formulating in my mind, but since that really like, jumped out at me on the way home, we're going to go to Daniel chapter 3 this morning. Four men in the fiery furnace. But I entitled the message this morning this, very strongly. Will you stand with the fourth man in the fire? You see, there's a whole different connotation when you talk about four men in the fiery furnace as opposed to standing with the fourth man in the fire. You see... Daniel chapter 3, Nebuchadnezzar has a, a desire for worship. Pride had placed the king in a very dangerous position. Solomon's warning about pride in Proverbs 16, 18 says this, Pride goeth before destruction and an naughty spirit before a fall. The king had a severe fall coming in his very near future. Proud people take little account for their weakness and do not anticipate stumbling blocks. 
You see, they think they're above the frailties of common people. In this state of mind, they are easily tripped up. Ironically, proud people seldom realize pride is their problem. Although everyone around them is well aware of the problem. Just ask someone you trust. And this is a very difficult thing to do, but just ask someone around you that you trust whether self-satisfaction has blinded you from these warning signs. Because I'm going to tell you, he or she may help you avoid a very painful fall. You see, when you begin to look at what Nebuchadnezzar has done here, see, 20 years has passed and Nebuchadnezzar does what most people have the tendency of doing. At first, Nebuchadnezzar acknowledged that truly that God of Daniel is the God of gods and the Lord of kings. But as time passed, Nebuchadnezzar began to question. Who says my empire will end? Who says it has, it has to happen that way? I'm the head of gold, and I'm not letting my empire be overthrown. Therefore, Nebuchadnezzar made an image of gold, and he set it up in the plains of Dor, in the providence of Babylon. Nebuchadnezzar had made an image of gold, whose height was 90 feet high and 9 feet wide, of solid gold. Why gold? Because gold doesn't tarnish. Not easily destroyed. It, it, it doesn't go away. Gold lasts forever. You can melt it down. You can do what you want with it. But it doesn't just poof, vanish into thin air once, once, it, uh, once it's broken down. In Daniel chapter 3 and verse 1, Nebuchadnezzar the king made an image of gold whose height was three score and cubics and the breadth of thereof six cubics. He set it up in the plain of Dora, in the providence of Babylon. And Nebuchadnezzar, the king, sent together to gather together the princes, the governors, the captains, the judges, the treasurers, the counselors, the sheriffs. Uh-oh, we brought the police in. Somebody's got to be in charge of crowd control. And all of the rulers of the providence is to come to the dedication of the image which Nebuchadnezzar the king had set up. The prince and the governors and the captains and the judges and the treasurers and the counselors and the sheriffs and all the rulers of the providence gathered together unto the dedication of the image that Nebuchadnezzar the king had set up. And they stood before the image that Nebuchadnezzar had set up. Why? Then, he, then a herald cried aloud. Now this is somebody speaking for the king. Somebody with a big mouth, kind of like me. You see, can you hear me this morning? You sure you can hear me? Because see, I'm not Mike this morning. i tell you how loud my voice is. See, I'm not, I, I'm a big mouth, as they say. My mom used to say, talk softer, talk softer. I said, if I talk too soft, nobody will hear me. She said, that's the general rule. 
You see, children are to be seen and not heard. See, and I think that was the point she was trying to get across. But Jesus wants you to be heard. Jesus wants you to be heard. He doesn't want his children to be silenced. We have, we have a mandate from the Lord to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. But you can't share the gospel of Jesus Christ if you're like this. People see you, but they don't know you. People see you, but they don't know who you are. They don't know if you're a child of God or a child of the devil. They don't know because they don't know you. you. You don't speak. You don't say. Your actions, they say, speak louder than words. What have your actions been like lately? What are people seeing? Then the herald cried aloud, To you it is commanded, O people, nations, and languages, that at the time ye hear the sounds of the cornet, the flute, the harp, the sackbut, the psaltery, and the dulcimer, and all kinds of music, ye fall down and worship the golden image that Nebuchadnezzar the king has set up. And those who falleth not down and worship shall the same hour be cast into the midst of a burning, fiery furnace. If you don't start coming to church on a regular basis, we're going to cast you into a fiery furnace. No, I'm just kidding. If you quit worshiping the Lord, the Lord will cast you into pits of hell where it's a fiery furnace. No, Those who call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. You see, the Lord is not one to want to cast his children into hell. We choose that by ourselves. Uh-oh, where is he going this morning? I begged the Lord this morning to take this message from me. And let me preach what I had already written down, what I really liked. But it was no To refuse the king's request meant death. To be cast into a fiery furnace. To be burned alive. I said, Lord, that just does not sound like a good uplifting message this morning. To talk about men being cast into a fiery pit and being burned alive. We see a story here in Daniel about four rebellious people. Pastor, what in heaven's name are you talking about? You just read part of this story. You just kind of laid the outline. And where are you talking about four rebellious people? Do you know there are four rebellious people in this story? You see, one rebellious person was rebelling for the wrong reason. Three rebellious people in this story were rebelling for the right reason. You see, three who were, wouldn't bend to the king's request. The king's command was clear 
to those who refuse to bend their knees to the image would surely die. So standing up for their convictions signaled suicide. How many situations in your life have gone by and you did not stand up for your convictions? By in, but instead, you went along with the things that seemed to be popular or it seemed to be the thing to do. Ask yourself, if it means death, will I stand up for my convictions? Many of you this morning say, Pastor, I, I don't understand. We have convictions. We have things that the Lord has mandated and has set before us. And a lot of times, we just kind of brush them aside because we're looking for a, a way out, so to speak. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego stood tall at the time of this call. They saw that bending and bowing and giving in to the, the, the king would be grieving the Holy Spirit. They would be grieving God. Have you ever thought how your decisions that you have made, have you ever thought about the things that you have done that have actually grieved the heart of God? Listen, I... I've counseled with some of you. I could point a few things out and it might set you back. You'll say, but I wasn't grieving God. Yes, you were. Paul would later warn against these things in Ephesians 4.30 and grieve not the Holy Spirit whereby ye are sealed unto the day of redemption. See, most believe that Daniel wasn't even around at that point because he was off on some kind of mission, some official mission. And so, therefore, he's not mentioned in this portion of Scripture. Only Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Now, remember, when they came and they were captured, the four of them were together. Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They were all together. Remember, he helped them to stand up for what was right. So they stood with him. So they knew what it was to stand right with God. And so they knew that their convictions were important. They knew that serving God would be the most valuable thing that they could do. You see, the three men had one more chance. Here are eight excuses they could have used to bow down to the statute and save their own lives. We will bow down, but we won't actually worship the idol. We won't become idol worshipers, but we'll do this one time and then ask God for forgiveness. Oh, that's so much like God's people today. They want to do something and then they just do it and then we'll just ask God to forgive us. Where are our convictions? God speaks to us in the midst of us doing something wrong, but yet we'll say, well, I know he'll forgive me. We have such a nice, loving God. Let me just say something. And I'm not trying to be harsh here by any means. Because I'm going to be standing before the same God that you're going to stand before. When God begins to speak to your heart, and he begins to share with you that something is not right, turn away. Turn away. Don't yield to it. 
Don't give in to it. Turn away and run. The king has absolute power here and we must obey him and, and surely God will understand. That's kind of like going to work or going to a grocery store or going to the doctor's office. And you go in there and they're, they're doing things that, that aren't right, that, that, that don't line up with Scripture and saying things that aren't right with Scripture and, and you just kind of laugh or just kind of brush it off as, well, they don't know any better. But you do. We do. We do know what's wrong. We do know what's right. And we have to take a stand for those things. You know, I have the hardest time sometimes when people expect me to laugh at certain things that I find very offensive, that don't line up with Scripture. And people, people want you just to kind of be a part of the crowd, just laugh and just, just go with it. But we can't do that. When people ask me, well, didn't you find that funny? I said, no, I found that very offensive. And I know my God would not be happy if I chimed in with that mess. And then they go on their little tangent. Well, you know, he's a pastor. He's a little holier than thou. No, it has nothing to be holier than thou. It has to be with standing with what is right. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego had to do what was right. They had to stand with what was right. No matter what the consequences are, church, we have to start taking a stand for what is right, no matter what the consequences may be. You say, well, pastor, that's easy for you. No, it's not. A lot of times I think it's a lot harder because I have to hear it. And I just, I, sometimes I feel like I got to go home and wash my ears out. And what's even more offensive is these people claim to be Christians. They seem to be the worst about it. I'm telling you, we have to start taking these bold stands like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego did. How can we react to these dangerous situations after seeing the miracles and signs? These, these guys have seen miracles and signs from God. You see, after seeing God's miracles and signs, we acknowledge that He is God, but we deny him and go and worship images. Like Nebuchadnezzar, you say, well, I have a big plan in my life and, and God's going to have to wait. You see, I, I got this thing going on and, and God understands and, and, and I just can't go there. You see, sometimes when we make our own plans, we always want to put God aside. Because, because God doesn't fit in it. See, I always, I always look at it this way. I want to take God with me wherever I go. Because he's going to help me make the right decisions. He's going to help me to do the right things. Sometimes, yes, I stumble. Oh, pastor, you shouldn't have said that about yourself. I do. We all stumble. For there are none righteous, not none. So, we have to humbly come before the Lord. We have to humbly ask for forgiveness. These three men who wouldn't bow to the image had enemies. You 
have enemies. I know you don't want to hear that. And I can't imagine looking at all these wonderful faces in this room, looking at all these wonderful people. I can't imagine anybody in this room having an enemy. Anybody got an enemy in this room? Anybody got an enemy? I got one. The devil. And he just loves putting people in my way to trip me up. Enemies of this unbending one told the king, these Chaldeans who had once been the preferred advisors, now look at these demoted ones and saw their chance to get even. King! You've called these people to come together. And, and when they heard the music, they were supposed to bow and they were supposed to worship. But these three men, they didn't do it. And what did it do? It enraged the king. It made them even matter because they wouldn't bow to the image that was set up before them. And what did these guys say in verse 17? If it be so, our God, whom we serve, is able to deliver us from the burning, fiery furnace. And he will deliver us out of thine hand, O king. But if not, be it known unto thee, king, that we will not serve thy gods, nor worship the golden image that thou hast set up. Church, this is taking a bold stand. This is making it very clear by saying, let your yea be yea and your nay be nay. These guys have made a stand and they weren't going to cater to it. They weren't going to bow to it. Those who stand tall, let me tell you, church, are going to be hated by all. You're not going to make friends when you stand with the Lord. Jesus is our greatest example of that. Look at the miracles that he performed day after day after day in his ministry for three and a half years. You think people can understand that when they brought him before Pilate and they wanted to kill him, these Pharisees and these Sadducees who were only a minor, a minor group of people could challenge a group of people who saw the greatest miracles ever known to man and saw them right before their very eyes would be yelling and shouting, crucify him, crucify him. Bending would have meant betraying the Lord. You see, these three loyal ones were willing to risk it all. They would serve the king, but they would never worship the king. See, sometimes we have a habit of putting people up on pedestals and we're like, oh, they're such great people. They're such wonderful people. But you can't worship people. You can only worship the Lord of Lords and the King of Kings. That's all we have the privilege of worshiping because he is the creator of all. There's not one man in this room that has made anything worthy of me worshiping. I can only worship my God. I can only worship the Lord Jesus. I can only bow to Him. I can only yield to Him. 
We have to stop yielding to the ways of the world, to the temptations that come our way, to the things that seem to be great, especially that thing called money. People are seeking riches of this world. I'm not seeking riches of this world. I'm seeking the riches of heaven. And the greatest riches I have there is my Lord Jesus. Just think about this. Once you get there, you'll have all the gold you'll ever want to have. You'll be walking on it. It's asphalt. It's pavement, if you want to call it that. You've got a mansion over the hilltop. We sang that song, we've got a mansion. But you've got a mansion over the hilltop waiting for you. Designed just for you. We find ourselves living in a day and age where some people feel that it's okay to serve God and to worship other things, jobs, promotions, homes, cars, people. Who have, the world has portrayed to be successful. Successful people are going to be in hell. These three men who couldn't be burned. We see later on into here when they were so, the king was so enraged that he took Shadrach, Reshef, Meshach, and Abednego. And, and when they came forth, he, was, he put them into a He made the furnace ten times hotter than it normally would have been. It was so hot that the guys that put him into the fiery furnace got burned. But this is the... This is the clincher of the whole story. This is the part of the story that I love so much. You see, because if you can picture the fiery furnace, if you will, it, it was kind of like a, a, a clay oven, like a kiln kind of thing. And it had an opening on the top to let the smoke escape. And also you could see in. And so here they do, they put him in and the king's up high so he can look down into the hole and he can see the kill. He can see what's going on down in there. And Nebuchadnezzar notices, notices that there's another man in the fire. You see, didn't we not cast three men in? He's asking the people around him, wait a minute, how many guys actually, did, one of the, did we actually sneak a, another person in there? I thought we cast three people in and the, and the fire only burned off the ropes. Now there is a God who protects. You see, in the midst of the convictions, in the midst of standing strong for God, these three men of faith were not alone in that fire. Church, when you are in the midst of a storm, when you are in the heat of a battle, you are not alone because the Holy Lord that we serve, the Lord Jesus, is standing with you in the midst of the battle, in the midst of the fire, in the midst of the storm that you have. Jesus is standing right there with you. You are not alone. So many people feel like they're alone when they're in the midst of a storm or in the midst of a battle. They feel like they're, they're all alone. But I tell you, those who walk with God are never alone. And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, 
All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore, teaching all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the world. What does that say? Matthew 28, 18 through 20. Those who walk with God never walk alone. I will be with you always, even until the end of the world. These three men were always accompanied by the fourth man in the fire. Church, we are always accompanied by that fourth man in the fire. Every single one of us are accompanied by him. Are you facing some fiery furnace, some fiery trial today? The Lord will always be true. You see, we have to expect him to come through. Church, I can say miracles alone do not build or grow a person's faith. See, faith comes by hearing the word of God. The children of Israel are the generation which saw the most miracles of God and God revealing himself to them. But they're reminded that they were a rebellious generation, even to today. You see, we are all the generation referred to. We are the generation referred to as the adulterous generation. Seeking signs and miracles, not seeking God, thus denying the power. You see, the Holy Spirit wants to encompass each one of us. He wants to show us where he is. And what he can do. But so many times we put up these little walls because we don't want God to see the bad things that we're doing. God can see through those walls. My question to you this morning was, are you willing to stand with the fourth man in the fire? Church, that's a very real question that has very real consequences. All of us love Jesus, I hope. All of us love what he has done for us, for he went to the cross for us. He took our sins from us. He made a way of escape for us. But church, I'm going to be very honest with you. There's not a lot of people who were willing to say, I will stand with the fourth man in the fire when it comes to my own life, my own health, my own statue with him. We're, we're not willing to take that stand. When people start ridiculing, when people start battering us and, and, and belittling you, you, you kind of sheepishly back away. But I'm telling you this morning, if you're going to stand with the fourth man in the fire, then you must be willing to stand 
firmly on the Word of God. You must be willing to stand completely and wholeheartedly with Him no matter what takes place around you, no matter what gun goes off and shoots you, no matter what car runs up and hits you, no matter what doctor tells you how bad your disease is and you're going to die. I'm telling you, if you take a stand with God, God is going to protect. Church, we have to stand with the fourth man in the fire. Think of it for a moment. Think of this scenario just for a moment. You see the day and age we're living in. Honestly, you see the day and age we're living in. It would be nothing for somebody to walk through that door right now and say, deny your God or die. How would you respond? Oh, pastor, that's not happening. There were churches in Atlanta where that happened. There are churches around the world where that very thing is happening. And it could very well happen right here. Somebody could come through the door and say, where do you stand? Deny or die. What would you do? I'll tell you what you would do. Most of you, your minds would start scrambling. How can I get out of here? Come on. Some of you would be thinking about your children. Some of you would be thinking about, well, if I did it, if I just denied him this time, and, and this way I could see my grandchildren again, or I could see my children again, I could see my great-grandchildren again, and I could, I could lead them to the Lord. I, I could do it, and then I could just ask Jesus to forgive me. You'd be surprised to those who would not take that stand. But those of you who died would not know who's left alive, would you? But somebody does. Jesus. This is not the message I was wanting to go with this morning, but you know what? We are living in a day and an age where we have to start boldly standing with the Lord Jesus Christ. And we have to be willing to make that stand today. You say, Pastor, are you making me, forcing me? No, I don't have a fiery furnace heated up for you to get into. But I'm telling you this morning, we have to decide who we are going to serve. The word of God says, choose you this day whom you will serve. Who do you serve? I have to stand with Jesus. No matter what happens. Worst case scenario, somebody comes through the door, guess who I get to meet today? Jesus. And all those who have gone before me. But who do you meet this morning? Who would you meet? Father, I thank you this morning for your word. Lord, there's a very real question before us this day. And the question that you've given to me, Lord, is will I stand with you, the fourth man in the fire? 
Father, I tell you this day, I will stay with you. No matter what happens, no matter what comes my way, I will stand with you. Even it means surrendering my own life. Because Lord Jesus, you gave your life for us. You've gone to prepare a place for us. And this morning, Lord, I pray for each one in this room. For Lord, I know that that is a very hard, a very real question to ask myself this morning. Will I stand with the fourth man in the fire? And, and Lord Jesus, I just pray this morning. I pray this morning with all the sincerity of my heart, Lord, that each of these that are in this room would stand with you. Lord, I know it would be a very tough, very hard decision knowing all the things that they've got going on in their lives. But Lord, we have to stand with you. For Lord, if we are not going to stand with you this day, then we will never stand with you. Ask yourself this morning. Will I stand with the fourth man in the fire? If you'll stand with the fourth man in the fire, I'm going to ask you to stand up right now. Father, you see these standing across the room. Father, each one of these lives have said, I will stand with you no matter what comes my way. No matter what storm, no matter what challenge, no matter what temptation befalls me, Lord, I will stand with you 100%. I will not yield, I will not cater, I will not cave. Lord Jesus, the only one we will bow to this day is you. The only one we will cater to this day is you. Lord, you have our whole heart. And we surrender everything that we have to you today. I pray, God, for each one that is standing. Lord, because I know in these days to come, Father, after hearing this message, I know that there are going to be challenges. There are going to be trials. There are going to be things set before them to see if they will, they will truly stand. But Lord, I know that you've made a promise with each one of them this morning that you will be with them in the midst of the fire, in the midst of the storm, in the midst of the trial. You will be with them. And you will help them come through. And Lord, today I pray, give us the strength and the encouragement and the boldness to persevere for you. And we'll give you the praise and the glory and the honor for these things that we ask this morning in Jesus' name. Amen.